Nine, a plan of action. In the long run, men hit only what they aim at. Henry David Thoreau, 1817 to 1862. The 12th century philosopher Maimonides divided the troubles that befall man into three classes. One, those troubles that result from possessing a human body. As a physician, Maimonides knew that from inevitable consequence of having a body was proneness to occasional diseases and birth deformities. Yet Maimonides considered the evils of this class to be comparatively rare. Today we might include in this class those problems whose cures require medications or surgery. Two, those troubles that people cause to each other, such as wars and crimes. Though Maimonides believed these evils were more widespread than the first class, he still considered them to be uncommon in everyday life. Cases of physical or sexual abuse by parents or spouses will fall into this category. Evils that often result in post-traumatic stress disorder, which I described earlier. Three, those troubles that we bring upon ourselves by our own actions. This is the largest class and is far more numerous than the second class, and it is especially of these evils that all men complain. Here we might include those problems we bring upon ourselves by social isolation, thought suppression, thinking ourselves evil, and avoiding fearful situations, problems that can sometimes lead to the brink of suicide. For Maimonides, all troubles other than those due to having a human body were all due to the same cause, man's lack of wisdom. Being a teacher, Maimonides remained optimistic that by learning and reducing our ignorance, we would then reduce the evils that we bring upon ourselves and others. Having invoked Maimonides' name, I wonder what he would think were he to read the preceding chapters. I fear he might be shocked by the frankness of some of the examples I give. Though as a physician, he would surely have been exposed to strange symptoms in his travels. On the other hand, I hope he might approve of my intent, which is to reduce our ignorance about why we have bad thoughts. We might even say these are inescapable consequences of having a human body, and so reduce the torment of my patients bring upon themselves, a trouble of the third class. But nature does not give up her secrets easily, and I am the first to admit that our understanding of bad thoughts and how to best treat them is far from complete. After reading the preceding chapters, you should now have about as complete of an understanding as anyone with bad thoughts in general, and of your bad thoughts in particular. Starting to Tame Your Bad Thoughts to help you take the first step in a program to begin taming your bad thoughts, I've collected in Table 14 all the kinds of bad thoughts that I've discussed in the previous chapters. Although many items on this list are very similar, they differ in specific details. I have chosen to be overly inclusive in listing these characteristics of bad thoughts because I've found that most people only identify with symptoms that very closely resemble those they experience. I suggest that you now go through this list, marking each bad thought that troubles you. Next, you may want to rank order the thoughts you've marked in terms of how much trouble each causes you. Simply write one next to the most troublesome thought, and two next to the next most troublesome, and so on. By doing this begins your organization for taming these bad thoughts, which you can refer back to as a reminder. Table 14. Inventory of bad thoughts, including urges, images, and situations avoided. 1. Thoughts about harming your baby. 2. Worrying about molesting your daughter. 3. Worrying about steering your automobile into an innocent pedestrian. 4. Worrying about pushing a commuter in front of an oncoming train. 5. Urges to jump from the top of a tall building. 
6. Thoughts about harming an innocent child. 7. Urges to jump off a mountain. 8. Urges to jump in front of an oncoming train. 9. Urges to push another one in front of a train or automobile. 10. Unacceptable sexual thoughts about people you know. 11. Unacceptable sexual thoughts towards strangers. 12. Sexual thoughts toward religious figures such as God, Jesus, or Mary. 13. Incestuous thoughts or urges. 14. Worrying about saying racist things. 15. Worrying that deep down you're really a violent criminal. 16. Worrying that you'll kill your children the way Susan Smith did. 17. Worrying that you'll become a killer just like Jeffrey Dahmer. 18. Worrying about throwing your baby against the wall. 19. Worrying about fracturing your baby's skull. 20. Worrying about smothering your baby with a pillow. 21. Worrying about stabbing your baby with a knife. 22. Worrying about molesting your baby while changing him. 23. Worrying that one day you'll snap and harm your baby. 24. Imagining a dog jumping in front of your car and being run over. 25. Worrying about swerving your car off the road. 26. Worrying about shouting obscenities in public. 27. Avoiding children for fear of harming them. 28. Avoiding TV shows, movies, books, and magazines because they trigger violent thoughts. 29. Avoiding television, movies, and magazines because they trigger sexual thoughts. 30. Worrying about having sex with animals. 31. Worrying that you really want to have sex with animals. 32. Worrying about staring at a dog's genitals. 33. Thoughts about killing your children or spouse. 34. Worrying about being compelled by the devil to harm your family. 35. Thoughts about killing people while driving. 36. Worrying about throwing children off a bridge. 37. Worrying about poisoning your infant. 38. Thoughts of homosexual acts. 39. Thoughts of having sex with people you brush against. 40. Avoiding using knives. 41. Worrying you might be gay. 42. Worrying you might shout out racial slurs. 43. Worrying you could stare at a woman's breast, buttock, or crotch. 44. Worrying you could stare at a men's crotch. 45. Incestuous sexual thoughts. 46. Worrying about being sexually aroused around your father or mother. 47. Worrying that while using a knife, you might lose control and stab someone. 48. Worrying that you'll say things like, I hope your baby dies. 49. Worrying that you might smother baby in his carriage by covering him with a blanket. 50. Avoiding looking at the baby's genitals while changing him for fear of wanting to molest. 51. Trying to convince yourself you haven't molested someone. 52. Obsessions about putting a baby in the microwave oven. 53. Obsessions about throwing a baby down a flight of stairs. 54. Images of a baby lying dead in a casket. 55. Images of a baby bleeding and injured. 56. Images of a baby eaten by sharks. 57. Worrying you might drown a baby. 58. Worrying you'll engage in a mass shooting. 59. Worrying you'll commit a crime while asleep. 60. Worrying you've committed a crime while intoxicated. 61. Worrying about running over pedestrians with your car. 62. Checking to make sure you haven't hurt a child. 63. Asking for reassurance that you haven't done something wrong. 64. Checking to make sure that you haven't shouted an insult. 65. Worrying about smashing a crucifix in church. 66. Worrying about committing blasphemous acts while in church. 67. Thoughts of violent acts and sex. 68. Thoughts of sexually punishing a loved one. 69. Thoughts of unnatural sex objects. 70. Thoughts of sex with animals. 71. Impulse to engage in sexual practices that cause pain to his partner. 72. Sexual impulses toward attractive females, known or unknown to you. 73. Impulses to sexually assault females, known or unknown to you. Blasphemous sexual images about the Virgin Mary. 75. Thoughts about harming children or elderly people. 76. Imagining that someone close to you was hurt or harmed. 77. Impulse to violently attack and kill a dog. 
78. Impulse to violently attack and kill someone. 79. Thinking or wishing that someone would disappear from the face of the earth. 80. Impulse to hit or harm someone. 81. Feelings of intense anger towards someone related to a past experience. 82. Impulse to harm children, especially smaller ones. 83. Impulse to shout at someone. 84. Impulse to attack certain persons. 85. Impulse to physically and verbally attack someone. 86. Impulse to attack and violently punish someone, such as to throw a child out of a bus. 87. Impulse to say rude things to people. 88. Impulse to say something nasty and damning to someone. 89. Impulse to say inappropriate things, the wrong thing in the wrong place. Impulse. 90. Impulse to say rude and unacceptable things. 91. Impulse to push people away or onto the ground. 92. Blasphemous thoughts during prayers. 93. Obsessions about brushing against others. 94. Avoiding crowded spaces because of fears of being... 94. Avoiding crowded spaces because of fears of being accused of molesting others. Before you attempt any of these exposure tests described in Chapter 5, you must first make sure that this treatment is safe for you to carry out. Begin by rereading Chapter 3, keeping in mind that the overwhelming majority of people with bad thoughts need have no concerns that they will ever act on their thoughts. Of course, if you have OCD and have trouble feeling certain, even though you have never acted on an impulsively violent or sexual way in the past, and even though you feel terribly guilty about your thoughts, and even though you don't feel suppressed hatred towards people who have done you wrong or bullied you, and even though you do not enjoy fantasizing about getting even with them, and even though you have no strong urges to plan or kill or injure yourself, in other words, even though your bad thoughts are harmless, still you may not feel comfortable using the techniques described in the previous pages. If so, don't worry. If through the preceding pages you have learned enough about your bad thoughts for you to seek help from a mental health professional, then this book will have served its purpose. On the other hand, if reviewing chapter 3, you find real reasons for concern about the possibility of your acting on your thoughts, you should first speak to your doctor or clergyman or mental health professional. There are now effective treatments that can ensure that you never act on your thoughts. By intervening now, you can prevent a potentially dangerous situation later. Remember Maimonides' view. By gaining wisdom now, you may single-handedly reduce the evils we cause to another later. This is praiseworthy, not something to be ashamed of. To review once again the warning signs that you should watch out for, ask yourself the following questions. Do you hear voices or see things other people don't see? Do you feel intense anger or fantasize about retaliating against people who have harmed you? Have you acted on your sexual or violent thoughts in the past towards animal or people, intoxicated or sober? Do you have strong urges to harm or kill yourself? If you answer yes to any of these questions, you should talk to someone, preferably a mental health care professional, before using the exposure techniques described earlier. Even if you answered no to all the questions above, as most readers will, I still advise you to find someone with whom you feel comfortable discussing your bad thoughts. I know you've gone out of your way to avoid doing this for a long time, but it has two valuable benefits. One, talking to another person about your bad thoughts provides an exposure exercise for you. And two, talking to another person about your bad thoughts lifts some of the burden off the shame and the guilt you've been feeling. For example, in conducting support groups for people suffering from bad thoughts, I've seen firsthand that discussing their bad thoughts with those who understand and have similar problems lessens their burden. 
In some cases, I've witnessed people who haven't made eye contact with others for years, staring only at the floor, now beginning to look at others in the eye. If you can't speak to a family member and you can't find a friend to speak to, then perhaps you might feel comfortable speaking to a clergyman. If your bad thoughts touch on religious themes or blasphemy, carefully reread chapter 7. Then honestly examine your own conception of God. If your conception is of a retaliating, vindictive God, then you should speak to a moderate clergy member of your denomination who can help you clarify your theology before doing any experiment exposure. Most importantly, always remember that by trying to suppress your thoughts, you're not helping, and you may well be making your thoughts worse. If you change nothing else after reading this book, please try to stop suppressing your bad thoughts and let them pass naturally through your mind. Many people have told me that this single change greatly reduce the distress of their bad thoughts. If you try to decide to engage in this kind of exposure test described in Chapter 5, you should begin by making a list of all the situations that you can think of that you have been avoiding because of your bad thoughts. This list will become your blueprint for exposure therapy plan. You should go into these situations that trigger your bad thoughts, then remain in the situation, not leaving or distracting yourself as you normally would, and especially not trying to suppress your bad thoughts while you're there. Reread chapter 5 before doing this. Especially make sure that you understand how that process of habituation works. It is important for you to let habituation run its course for you to once again feel at ease in these situations. If you find that your bad thoughts are usually triggered by your feeling angry, you would benefit from learning about how to better control your anger. A variety of anger management courses are offered in both mental health settings and adult education classes. If you find exposure therapy triggers memories of traumatic events from your past, refer back to Chapter 4 to read about post-traumatic stress disorder. If your bad thoughts are not getting better and you think this might be part of the reason, I suggest you read Dr. Herman's book as soon as possible. Then find a mental health practitioner whom you feel you can trust and relate to. If you decide to try audiotaped exposure therapy as described in Chapter 5, you should begin by writing down in detail the very worst thing that you can think might happen if you acted on your thoughts. Write it down on a sheet of paper, then go back and read it, crossing out any reassurances you've given yourself. Then record this onto a cassette tape. Refer back to the examples I gave you in Chapter 5 of audiotaped scripts that our patients have used successfully. Most patients are able to record their script onto a 30-second or 60-second endless loop. These are sold by stores such as Radio Shack for outgoing messages on telephone answering machines. Listen to this tape in a personal tape player for at least one hour per day. And whenever else the thoughts come during the day, listen until the thoughts stop. If your script runs for many minutes, you'll have to record it on one side of a standard 30, 45, or 60-minute cassette. Recording the script over and over until one side is filled. Then listen to your tape <laughs> in your recorder and rewind it to continue exposure. Some patients tell me that thinking about or listening to their horrible scenes on tape seems to make them feel even more guilty. If you find that you're not improving with this audio tape exposure, you can try the methods suggested to me by Jonathan Ash and Chris Daycott, both nurse clinicians in Dr. Isaac Mark's OCD treatment program at the Maudsley Hospital in London. They ask their patients to record in their own voice phrases such as, I may or may not kill a child. I may or may not hate God. Whatever phrase is appropriate. They explain to me that their patients often find this endless audio tape acceptable because it provides exposure to the doubt they must learn to live with if they are to resume normal functioning. 
If this approach makes sense to you, by all means, give it a try. I strongly suggest that before doing exposure therapy, you read through the various cognitive therapy techniques covered in detail in Chapter 6 to determine if any of the misinterpretations listed there are problems that you are currently having. If so, you should try to work, preferably alongside someone that you trust, but that if that but if this is impossible, alone, to identify your irrational thoughts, then set up experiments to test them, and if necessary, to change them to more closely match reality. Research has proven that some people are able to use self-help techniques effectively for their problems, while others will require a mental health professional to help them along. If you suffer from severe bad thoughts, or your bad thoughts are accompanied by serious thoughts about suicide or planning for suicide, you should be working with a mental health professional, because having bad thoughts probably qualifies you for a diagnosis of obsessive-compulsive disorder, even if you've never considered the diagnosis before. You can take advantage of this by contacting the OC Foundation to find a therapist in your area who has experience treating these problems. In Table 15, I have listed what I consider to be the most important take-home points you should have after reading this book. It might be helpful for you to write these key points on an index card so you can carry it in your wallet or purse for easy and frequent reference when your bad thoughts come. Table 15. Key take-home points. 1. Everyone has sexual, violent, or blasphemous thoughts that pass through their mind from time to time. 2. At times, we all think the very most inappropriate thing possible. 3. These thoughts are part of human nature, and having these thoughts does not make you a bad person. 4. The more you try to suppress these thoughts, the stronger these thoughts will become. 5. The more you avoid situations that trigger your thoughts, the worse your problem will become. 6. If you stop trying to suppress bad thoughts, they will eventually pass naturally through your mind. 7. Your goal is not to be completely in control of your thoughts. No one can do this. If you follow the procedures in the preceding chapters, many of you will notice a reduction in your bad thoughts. Some of you, however, will also require medication to better control your bad thoughts. If so, try to find a psychiatrist who is familiar with the SRI medications that are described in Chapter 8, or call the OC Foundation for help with finding a psychiatrist in your area. Assessing your progress. How should you assess your progress in taming your thoughts? As you know by now, the worst you can do is set a goal of never having another bad thought, or completely controlling my thoughts. These are impossible goals that will only make you more self-conscious and frustrated. Do not fall into this trap of perfectionism. Rather, I tell my patients a much better goal is to improve their overall quality of life. In reality, quality of life is the single most important thing that we strive for. We all know people who have physical or mental handicaps or illnesses who have nevertheless led wonderful lives and had a high quality of life. Conversely, we all know people with excellent health and plenty of money who have a low quality of life. Because of this, my colleagues and I in the Department of Psychiatry at Massachusetts General Hospital have over the five years been developing a brief rating scale that can help you keep track of the changes in your quality of life. Over the years, we have interviewed a large number of patients in our psychiatric clinics asking them how they would have wanted to live their lives if their treatment was successful. We have also interviewed a large number of psychologists, psychiatrists, neurologists, and neurosurgeons at our hospital asking them what positive outcome for their patients would look like. Although our patients come from many walks of life, 
and have a variety of psychiatric problems, large and small. The doctors come from many different orientations, such as some doing traditional talk therapy, others prescribing medicine, and others performing surgery. We have found definite common threads in what we identify as good quality of life. After a variety of statistical tests to reduce the number of items down to a manageable number, we ended up with 10 items that did the job that we were looking for. Table 16 contains the final 10 item scale, called the SOS 10. Interestingly, we found that the single item that correlated most highly with overall quality of life was peace of mind. This should not come as a surprise to anyone suffering from bad thoughts. Please take a few moments now to complete the scale before you start working on your bad thoughts. Table 16, quality of life scale. These are all tests that should be taken at home, and below are the list of the questions. From a scale of never to all the time or nearly all the time. One, given my current physical condition, I'm satisfied with what I can do. Two, I have confidence in my ability to maintain important relationships. Three, I feel hopeful about my future. Four, I'm often interested and excited about things in my life. Five, I am able to have fun. Six, I'm generally satisfied with my psychological health. Seven, I'm able to forgive myself for my failures. Eight, my life is progressing according to my expectations. Nine, I'm able to handle conflicts with others. Ten, I have peace of mind. To calculate your total score, simply add your scores for each of the 10 items. The total should be somewhere between zero and 60. A score higher on the scale indicates a higher quality of life, or better overall psychological functioning. We found that improvements in scores on this scale provide a good measure of the improvement of our patients with successful treatment for their psychological problems. If you would like to compare your score to others who have taken the scale, Table 17 gives you the mean or average scores. The range of scores for the three groups of people we studied. One, a group of inpatients in Massachusetts General Hospital psychiatric units and those being evaluated in our psychiatric emergency room, two, a group of outpatients in our psychiatric clinics who are less ill than the inpatient group, and for the most part, we're able to go to work or go to school in between sessions, three, a group of non-patients who work at our hospital. Table 17, scoring ranges for SOS 10 scale. Psychiatric inpatients, average score, 29, range, 16 to 42. Two, psychiatric outpatients, average score, 37. Range, 32 to 42. Non-patients, average score, 45. Scoring range, 41 to 49. As we would expect, group 1 had the lowest average score, followed by group 2 and 3. However, as individuals in group 1 and 2 improved, so did their scores on our scale. By tracking your progress with a quality of life scale such as this, you'll keep your focus squarely on something that you can control. Since you can never control your thoughts completely, the next best thing is to let them pass through your mind and not to attempt to suppress them. The goal is to reach a point where the thoughts no longer torment you and where you do not torment yourself when they come from time to time. Most of all, your goal should be to have as high a quality life as possible, along with peace of mind.